So our series right now, we're doing just a short, like six week or five week series called Unchained. Um, This is week number three in this series. And so um, what we're talking about, the focus of this series is predominantly about how we can see greater victory in our lives in regard to our sin, right? We are, we're sinners, right? We struggle with sin. Every one of us does. Some of us admit that more readily than others, but we all are sinners. And if we're saved by grace through Jesus Christ, if we've trusted in his work for us and his, his love for us and, and his salvation on, um, uh, for us through the cross and resurrection, well, we're, we have this whole new life given to us, right? We've got this whole new way of looking at everything and our whole life can be focused on Jesus. But, but it's not always, right? We're, we're still struggling sinners even though we're saved. And so we're trying to give you some insight from God's word uh, on how we can see greater growth in these things as we walk with Christ. So that's, our, that's the focus. We're calling it Unchained because uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 1 and 2 say this. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. It sets you free. We've, we've been set free from the law of sin and death because of Jesus, his work, and the spirit of life that he gives to us to set us free from our, from our sin. And so we can have a real genuine growth and and actually mature as people. Now, that's, it's a lifelong process. I don't think anyone would say that they've arrived at perfection because none of us have, right? We, this is a lifelong journey, but we want to see progress. We want to see maturity and growth, and that's the, that's the intention here. So um, we've been in this for a couple of weeks, and I want to just kind of lay out, recap for us where, we, where we've been, and then we're going to look at verse 12 through 17, uh, this morning. That's going to be the primary section of the chapter, but we want to do a quick overview of the first 11 verses. Um, so the, the first thing that Paul tells us, which I've already read, is there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. For those in Christ. Now that's the key, right? Being in Jesus, being attached to him by faith, means that we are not condemned, that we have no condemnation. And that first section, that first 11 verses, gives us the foundation that we need to grow in grace. It's our position in Christ. It's who we are in him that gives us the the building blocks for everything else. He does the work, in fact. That's what we're told in the first 11 verses. Um, If we don't start there, then our whole life is just going to be this constant questioning and wondering, am I okay in Jesus? Am I secure? Does he really love me? We're going to constantly be wrestling with those things if we're not grounded in the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. That's the foundation for life in Christ and and growth and godliness. We're told that there's no condemnation because the Holy Spirit has set us free from that condemnation And he set us free from that condemnation because, this is the argument as we read through these first 11 verses, it's because Jesus lived the life we could never live. 
He lived a perfect, sinless life. He did that on our behalf. So his life and his perfection is applied to you and to me as we trust in him. His perfect life ultimately led to his death on the cross and the resurrection that he experienced from the dead three days later that then condemned all sin in the world because Jesus has uh, taken that upon himself. So we said two weeks ago that our hope is not in our ability to become less and less sinful, but it's actually in being united to the one who is. And so um, that is, that's kind of the heart of the first 11 verses. So now as we turn to this next section in verse 12 through 17, Paul's going to take us even further in. He's going to take us to now some, here are the practical tools that we have at our disposal as people in Jesus, right? That's the key. You got to be in Jesus for this to work for you. But if you're in Jesus, he's going to start laying out some incredible resources in this chapter for us to lean into as we fight and ultimately attempt to kill our sin. Um, And so there's really going to be three that we look at over the next few weeks. Today, next week, and the week after, and that'll be getting us through this chapter. And, and obviously there's so much in this chapter that we could talk about. We could probably spend a whole sermon on every single verse, but we're just going to hit some of the highlights as we go. So what we're going to look at today is this. We're looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in our fight against sin. We're going to look at the role of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to look at the role of prayer, the role that prayer prayer plays in this fight against sin. And then the third thing we're going to look at is the love of God itself, how the love of God actually is one of our greatest weapons against sin. So that's where we're going. Today, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit because this is where Paul takes us. So in verse 12, look at what it says. Well, actually, let's back up to verse 11 first because 11 leads right into what we're going to see. So it says, and, the, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. All right, so we ended here last time. I, I was gone last week. So the week before, uh, we ended here. This is where we landed. Was that the spirit of God himself resides, lives, and dwells our lives. As believers in Jesus, we don't walk through life alone. We don't walk through life without a resource of hope, and that is the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is our, is our life-giving source. And so that's where he takes us. Now, here's the next thing he says, right? Verse, verse 12 says, So then, brothers and sisters, okay, so because the Holy Spirit lives in you, We are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. You hear what he says? He says, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, and if you're a Christian, if you've trusted Jesus, that's what it means to be a Christian, by the way. We, We can say we're Christians and not actually be Christians, but if you're a Christian, you've trusted Christ, you've given him your sin, you've taken his righteousness as a free gift of grace. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be in Christ. So if that's you, you have the Holy Spirit residing in your life. So 
Because of that, you and I are not obligated, is the word that is used here. We are not obligated to the flesh. And that word flesh, where Paul, the way Paul uses that word, he's talking about our sinful nature, our sinful, natural default uh, kind of mode as sinners. He says, we're not obligated to that anymore. We're not forced to be sinners. We're not forced into it. We're not obligated to live according to the flesh. We don't have to live within our sinful nature anymore. This is freedom, right? This is why we're unchained. We, we're no longer required to live our default mode of sin we have the Spirit of God as our great uh, comforter and convictor and all the things that he does for us. He lives within us. So, because that's true, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. You're, you're free. That's what you need to hear today. I know you may not feel free, right? And, that's why we're doing this series. We're, we don't feel free, but we are free. We don't have to live under obligation to our sin because the Spirit of God lives in us. Now let's go on to verse 13. It says, Because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. Paul says if, if you live... Again, he's talking now to, to those who would be outside of Christ, right? Those, those of us who have chosen to continue to trust in ourselves, to entrust in ourselves the ability to be right with God. If we live in that mode, if we continue to d- dive into that and we don't give, give to Christ our sin and we don't turn to him for help, if that's where we live, we're going to die. Now, he's not talking about physical death because all of us will experience physical death as a result of the sinful world, the broken world we live in. We're actually going to look at that more next week. We'll see that. Paul gets there. We're not talking physical death. We're talking spiritual death, separation from God, being, being in a place of just shriveled up and dead, you know, nothing, just a husk on the inside where, where a, a beating heart for Jesus should be. There's nothing. It's it's like the branch that falls off the tree, right? And that branch over time dries out. It's, it becomes firewood, but there's no life in that branch. There's no leaves on it. There's no life in it. It's, it's been severed from the life-giving uh, tree and the source of life that's there. Um, and, and that's what Jesus says we are when we're not abiding in him. Jesus and John, um, I think it's chapter... 15, yeah, maybe 13. I don't, I'm, I'm a pastor and I don't even remember all of it. Don't worry, guys. Um, but Jesus talks about how he's the vine and we're the branches, right? He's the vine. He's the life-giving source. We're attached to him. And if we're cut off from him, we die. That's what Paul's talking about here. He says that if we live according to the flesh, That means being dependent on ourselves rather than on Christ, trying to find life in ourselves rather than in Christ, trying to attempting to fill the void in our hearts with something that isn't Jesus. That's going to lead us to a shriveled up existence. But look at what he says. If you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if, 
by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now there's a whole book uh, written by a Puritan named John Owen who wrote in the 1600s. It's a very hard book to read, I'll just tell you that. It's like super oldie English. Um, If you really love the King James Version, you could probably power through it. If you don't, yeah, it's hard. It's hard hard stuff to get through because it's just very old English. But he wrote this book, it's called the title's going to wow you. It's just the mortification of sin in the life of the believer. They don't, they don't, Puritans don't make short book titles. Okay. The mortification of sin in the life of the believer is uh, basically what he's saying is, is how do believers actively engage in the effort of killing sin? Mortification is an oldie word for killing, killing something. Right? And so he says, we got to kill our sin. That's the whole premise of the book. And he builds the whole argument of the book based off this one verse. And it's an amazing thing. As we walk through this one verse, we, we start to get a real sense of where, where we need to go as we mature in Christ and how we can fight our sin. Because here's the thing. If we live according to the flesh, we're going to die. We don't want that, right? So, so what's the alternative? It says, but, here's the, here's the alternative. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we're going to just hone in primarily on that for a, for a good chunk of this time. We're just going to talk about that. Let's unpack what Paul is saying in this passage, what God is speaking to us through these words. So we don't want to die. Let's establish that. Right? We don't want to be severed from Christ. We don't want to have our, our lives just c- completely dried out and empty. We don't want that. So here's how we move forward. If by the Spirit, let's, let's stop with that first. Right? By the Spirit, here, here's the vital thing to understand. Paul is not saying, if by your you know, self-strength, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, if by your intelligence, you figure out a way to stop sinning, you'll live. He doesn't say that. Right? You can keep going, right? If by, it's if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is the means, the, the very thing that God uses to get sin killed in our lives. It can't be by us in any capacity. It can't be by our self-righteousness. It can't be by our intelligence. It can't be by our giftedness. It can't be by us. It has to be by the Spirit, through the Spirit, utilizing His sin-killing power that we can begin to see progress in our lives. Listen, you're never going to overcome sin in your life if you're not doing so by the Spirit of God. John Owen in his book says this, he says, and I've, I've kind of simplified the English for you, so it's not a direct quote, but it's close enough. He says, killing sin from a self-strength carried on by ways of self-invention to the end of a self-righteousness is the soul and substance of all false religion in the world. See what he's saying? 
saying if, if, we, if we're trying to, to become improved, better people, make progress in whatever deficiencies we see in our life, if we try to do that through self-righteousness, through self-strength, through, through self-innovation, we, we really have thrown the whole gospel out the window. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, you cannot do this. Actually, he says it in chapter 8, in verse, uh, back in verse, um, I think it's uh, 8, yeah. He says, those who are in the flesh, remember flesh means our sinful nature, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's impossible. So the only way that we can please God is by being in Christ who actually was able to please God because of his sinless perfection on our behalf. So the sin-killing power that we, that we possess is not in ourselves. That's the point, right? It's not in ourselves. It's in and by the Spirit at work in us. This is how we can tap into the power of God to save, uh, to, to improve rather, not to save ourselves, but to improve our situation. So let me just talk quickly here. Uh, and this is, this, I'm just going to pull out a few, couple pla- other passages. We'll, we'll, they're not up on the screen, so you don't have to, uh, you just have to listen in. But um, the Spirit of God does the killing of sin through um, through us and in us in at least three different ways. Here's, here are, this is all from John Owen. I'm just ripping straight out of his book, okay? So, so I didn't come up with any of this, but it's all really good and I want to share it with you. So here's the first way. By causing our hearts to abound in grace and in the fruit of the Spirit. Right, fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 6, right? We, we see what it is um, to, have, um, to have Christ working in us, to, to have this, excuse me, Galatians chapter 5. Um, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A, the law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ have been crucified in the flesh with its passion and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. And what Paul's point is in that letter is that the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us through the cross of Christ, through drawing our hearts to the, to the abounding grace of God and, and drawing our hearts towards these things that please Him. That's the thing that the Spirit does in us, causes our hearts to abound in grace and, in, and growth in the fruit of the Spirit. Secondly, the, uh, the Holy Spirit works in us by weakening, destroying, and ultimately taking away, over time, the root and habit of sin. The Holy Spirit actually is, is at work in putting to death the deeds of the body in us and through us, by weakening that, that in our hearts, taking the root and ripping it out over time. It doesn't happen immediately, right? It's a, 
It's a, it's a process. It's a progress. But Isaiah alludes to this in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 4. It says, When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the blood guilt from the hearts of Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning, then the Lord will create a cloud of smoke by day and a glowing flame of fire by night. He, he says that there's a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning. This, this is not talking about judgment, at least in John Owen's understanding. It's not about the judgment that we have as sinners. It's about the spirit of God's work in getting into the, to the crevices and cracks of our, of our souls and taking out what is wicked and burning it, ripping it out and taking care of it. The spirit of God does that. Thirdly, the Spirit of God brings to us the cross of Christ. He brings into our hearts the cross of Christ by faith. And what he does is he gives us communion with Jesus. He gives us a relationship with Jesus that in, in Jesus' death and in his sufferings, we're brought in and, we're, and we're, we're made one with him. We're brought into communion with him. The Spirit of of God does that. The cross of Christ is the sin-killing power that we need, and the Spirit gives us that. He brings that to our hearts. So we see that if by the Spirit you put the death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we've we've been talking about the, the Spirit's role in this, but notice that it says, if by the Spirit you... Okay, so... He's not talking about us just vaguely sitting back and being completely passive and inactive in this. No, we have a role to play in this, right? So we are active in the, in the process of killing sin, but we don't do it in our own strength. We do it by the Spirit. That's the key, right? So again, there's a, there's a tension here. It's not that we just sit back and, and do nothing. No, we're actively engaged. We're called to obedience. We're called to effort. We're called to be a part of our, our growth. We're, we're called to say no to the things that are calling our hearts away from Jesus. We're, we're called to those things, even though the power to do that is not in ourselves, It's the power of Christ through the Spirit of God that works in us to do these things. But we are still called to this. So so who is you that that Paul's talking about? Well, he's talking about believers. People who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. So if you're a believer, if you've trusted Jesus, then, then your role is to, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body. You get to participate in this. I get to participate in this for me. And, and yet we cannot do it in our own strength and in our own power. We must do it through the Spirit of God. And let's talk about this last little phrase in verse 13. Um, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, put to death the deeds of the body. So what does that mean? Well, this is a little vague, I know but it's general. It's a, it's a general principle that, that refers to the active and ongoing work of saying no to sin and saying yes to Jesus. That's fundamentally what this is. And, 
And there are some sins in your life that are going to be so deeply rooted and, and what, the, what the Puritans would refer to as the besetting sins, these sins that are just like they're sitting on you and you don't feel like you can ever shake them. Well, we all have those in our lives and they're all different for, for each of us. But we can see progress and growth in these things as we put those things to death, as we, as we resign ourselves to say, this thing, this thing that I love, loved so much never actually brings me the promise it, it, it tells me it's going to, right? Has any sin that you've ever committed actually accomplished what it said it would? No, it doesn't, right? Like you may think in the moment, in the moment of temptation, this is going to make me happy and it might for a, for a fleeting moment, but then as, the, as the, the whole thing wears off, you're like, oh, I guess that was really dumb, <laughs> right? I guess that was dumb. We, we all have experienced those things. So putting to death the deeds of the body is, is seeing this in, in kind of in, in a, fo- a foresight way, not a hindsight way. Going in advance, this thing that's calling out to me to, to do that I know is against what Christ would have for me, I have, to, I have to say no to that actively in the moment. It's easier said than done. Totally, obviously, it's easier said than done. But, but we can, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body. By God's spirit, as we walk with him, as we keep in step with him, as we continue to walk in, in his ways, we, we will see progress. We will. It's, it's going to take time, but we'll see progress. It's an active and ongoing work of killing sin. That's what it means to put to death the deeds of the body. And then the final f- phrase here is you will live. As you do that, as you engage in this work, it's not easy, it's not simple, it's not going to be a once and done situation. It's an ongoing, lifelong effort. But as we walk in it, we will live. We will experience more fullness and, and more abundance of God's grace as we do these things. There is a beautiful outcome that we need to keep our eyes on. The thing that Christ offers us is so much better than the thing that our sin does. We need to keep our eyes on that. Stay focused. Now let's keep going here. We got a few more verses to unpack. Um, So if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14 says, For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. So what's the, what's the argument Paul's making as we follow this trajectory of thought? He's saying that if, if we are actively engaged by the Spirit's power to put to death our sin, we will live. And then he says, um, because, for, because, so you'll live because all of those who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons. We will live as we engage in this work of, of saying no to sin and yes to Jesus, we will live because the Spirit of God leads us to that life, to life. The Spirit of God leads to life. And if you're being led by the Spirit, you are a child of God. The Spirit leads us to, to, the, to the life He has for us. We just have to be willing to to go with him. He leads. 
He leads us in, in so many different ways, probably uh, so many ways we can't, we can't possibly even scratch the surface, but here's a few. He leads us clearly and fully, convincing our hearts of the evil, guilt, and danger of the sins that you're holding on to. The Spirit leads you to life by clearly and fully convincing your heart of the danger of the evil and the guilt that your sins are in your life. If you're a believer, you've experienced this. There, is there a reason why you have done, stepped into something that probably people outside of Christ would say, well, what's the big deal? You stepped into it and then you felt this weight of, of shame and guilt as a result of that. That's not meant to keep you down. It's meant to draw your heart back to Jesus. The Spirit of God uses that conviction to say, this is not the way. I'm leading you in a better way, a better path. He leads us to understand clearly and fully that our, our sins that we're harboring, that we're giving safe, safe passage to, these things are going to destroy us in the end. From that, the Spirit of God will lead us to the fullness of Jesus for our relief. This is all from John Owen, so I'm just going to, I'm just kind of paraphrasing here. But the Spirit leads us to the fullness of Jesus for our relief. That weight of guilt that you feel as you sin, it's meant to draw you to Jesus, not to have more shame heaped on your life because Jesus doesn't do that. But it's actually meant to bring you to Jesus where you can find hope and healing and relief from that guilt. It keeps our hearts from the false, uh, the false truths of the world and ultimately from despair. Christ never calls us to despair in him. He, he impresses upon us the weight of our sin, but that's always meant to get us to him where we can find our relief and our, and our joy. And then thirdly, the Spirit leads our hearts to the cross of Christ. Again, we're always going back to the cross. Spirit brings us to the cross with its sin-killing power. Spirit of God brings us to the very place where we can find our hope. Let's keep going. Verse 15 it says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, God's children. So verse 15 shows us that, that God is our perfect father. Now, you all have a father. Some of your fathers may have been a nightmare. Some of them may have been great, as great as it could be as sinners, right? Every human father is a sinner. Every one of us is, a, is an imperfect man, right? And we, all, we can all, you know, pile on and say, oh, dad did this or whatever, right? We, but we, we have to understand that God 
has shown himself to us through his word to be a father, but an absolute perfect father. And the Bible tells us that he, as our father, disciplines us, but it's because he loves us, right? And, and that's talked about in Hebrews. The book of Hebrews talks about how we, we are disciplined because we're loved. And, and the writer of Hebrews actually goes so far as to say that if a father doesn't discipline his children, he doesn't love them. I think we can all see that in the world we live in. We were just down in Florida doing some theme parks and there were a lot of kids that were not disciplined. Let me put it that way. <laughs> and I was like, those kids, I feel bad for them. I really do. Like, I, I feel bad for them. My kids might feel bad for themselves, but they... <laughs> but <laughs> I feel bad for the other kids. Uh, you know, the discipline is how we know we're loved. But the Father never rejects us or shames us in that discipline. That's, that's the key, right? It's, there can be obviously forms of so-called discipline that, that are abuse, and that's wrong. That's evil. We're not talking about that. The Father never abuses his children. God the Father never does that. He, he loves us, and so he does care for us enough to show us our wrong, but he doesn't shame us. He doesn't reject us. Verse 16 then says that the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are children of God. Now let's think about what he's saying. The Spirit of God's role in all of this is to remind your heart and my heart that we are actually loved by God. Why does that matter? The Spirit testifies with your spirit that you're a child of God. Why does that matter? Well, it's vital because as, as we step into sinfulness, as we embrace things that are not of Christ, the, the enemy steps into that same space and says, see, you've you done it again. You messed up. God can't love you in that. God can't accept you because of that. God, that's what Satan will speak into your heart. And so the Spirit of God's role is to step into that space with us and say, no, no, no. You are a loved, beloved son of God. You are loved even when you are struggling through some of these challenges of life. Your spirit and the spirit of God are, are working together in this to confirm that you're God's child. And verse 17 says, so and if you're a child of God, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. The, this is like icing on the cake, you know? It's like we're, we're children of God, yes, but we're not just children, we're also heirs. He says, in fact, go so far as to say we're co-heirs with Christ, which means this, that everything that Jesus has is yours. And by the way, that's everything. So good, good for us, right? That's a great deal for us. That's, that's, not, that's only true if we're in Christ, right? But if we're children of God, we're, we're also heirs of God, and he's going 
not, he's not going to hold against us every wrong thing we've done. It's not like God has these cosmic scales that he's just keeping track of everything you do. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that God took everything that you did wrong. That whole scale on, on the sin side was as far down as it can go. And Jesus picked all that up and put it upon himself when he died on the cross. So now there is nothing that God holds against you if you're in him. That's the gospel. And the Spirit reminds us of these things. He brings these things back to our hearts. You know, if you're like me, and you probably are to some degree, that you're sitting here today and you're, you're well aware that you have fallen far short of what Christ wants for you. You're well aware of your sin, your screw-ups, your failures. And, and you need to be reminded today, just like I do, of what's here in front of us. That these things, these failures, these sins do not change our position in Christ. You are loved by the Father because of the work of Christ on your behalf. And the Spirit of God's role in this is to remind you of that. A lot of us think about the love of God like that old, you know, childhood thing. All of us were kids once. We picked up the, you know, you pick up the flower and you go, she loves me, she loves me not, or he loves me, he loves me not, right? That whole thing, ridiculous thing. Um, that's how, that's where our hearts can go if we're not grounded in the finished work of Christ. We can think of God as, okay, he loves me today because I, I showed up to church, so he's probably pretty happy with me today. And then in a couple hours when you do whatever it is you do, and I can only imagine, right? You're going to go, ah, doesn't love me anymore. Guess I got to go pull something off and do something to impress him again. So maybe you'll dust off that Bible and boom, got another, he loves me. That's a terrible way to live. (laughs) And it's not the way of, of Christ he, he loves you. And, and there, we know from the book of Romans that that can be um, used in a way that just says, okay, let's go on sinning so grace may abound. Let's, if God gives us grace for our sin, let's just go on sinning. Go on, come on. Paul says that's not the way, right? Because that's, that's really the opposite of the heart of a person who loves Jesus. A person who loves Jesus does not sin and say, think to themselves, you know, if God's going to forgive this sin, I'll just keep on sinning. That's not the heart of a Christian. A Christian's heart says, I, I do stumble into these sins, these wrong thoughts, these wrong actions, these wrong attitudes. I stumble into them and I hate it when it happens. And so where do we go with that hatred? Do we go into despair or do we go to the grace of God? And that's where Paul's taking us. He's saying, you got to go back to the grace of God. Yes, there's grace for every sin. That doesn't mean that you should just throw your hands up and go, great, let's just sin. There's that balance. But there is an absolute truth here that we need to hear, that we are children of God. That position doesn't change. And so the Spirit, as He works in your life, the Holy Spirit will draw you back to the love of the Father because you're heirs with Jesus. So everything Jesus has, you have 
if you trust him. So, so as you walk out of here today, as you go about your life, and as you find yourself this week being sucked back into something that, that seems to always come roaring back, you need to be reminded again that the Spirit of God is the means by which you can say no to these sins. You are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's where you need to get your heart to as we go through this week. That's where I need to get my heart to as well. Is that as we are drawn into something not of Christ, we remind our hearts, no, no, no. I'm not obligated to this. I'm in the spirit of God. I'm empowered by him to kill this sin. And as, as you make that your daily work, you will see progress. You will see growth. It's easier said than done. And it doesn't mean you're never going to succumb again to sin. You will. I will. We all, right, right? We will. But we can begin to see real genuine progress as we live in the power of the spirit to put to death the deeds of the body. So let's pray. Um, Father, we, we want to come to you thankful that, that our position as children in your family doesn't change just because we struggle. <laughs> doesn't change who we are in you. And yet, Lord, we know that we need greater uh, progress. Every one of us in this room, I know, needs to walk more closely aligned to you. I do as well. So would you help us to keep your spirit in front of our hearts so that we would be able to make headway in our sin without hearing and believing the lies of the devil that will tell us that we're not in you. We need that. We need the, the assurance. We also need the conviction. So Lord, for, for this room right now, you know every single heart in this room. For those who need conviction, would you grant that to them by grace? For those who need assurance, would you grant that to them? We know you will do what needs to be done in each of these hearts. We ask that you would, in Jesus' name, amen.